This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op, offering fuel, food, and drinks on Highway 13. Arcola Co-op, you're at home here. Today we have the weekly update on grain markets, and there have been some really wild price swings this harvest week. SAS Power reminds farmers to be careful around power lines during the busy harvest season because one mistake can be deadly. Real Agriculture talks about intergenerational transfer of farm assets. We have a look at crops in Manitoba and an update on the Canadian Food Grains Bank. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazink Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazink, 306-721-6667. It's been an interesting week for grain prices. Viterra elevator prices near Regina for the week have jumped over $14 a ton for feed barley. Flax is up $90 a ton. Lentils are up $118 a ton. Oats have risen $10, and yellow peas since Monday have gained $24 a ton. But the two main grain prices, spring wheat and canola, are showing downward movement. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccalo says canola futures are down $13 a ton for the week, while spring wheat has fallen $0.30 cents a bushel at Minneapolis. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front, November canola futures are down approximately $13 a ton here for the week. Quite volatile on Tuesday overnight trading session. The futures actually got up to approximately $940 a ton. So putting in some highs, however, didn't stay there for very long and has been kind of going down ever since. Today, sitting at about $880 a ton. On the Minneapolis wheat front, September Minneapolis wheat futures are down approximately 30 cents on the week. Pulling back with uh, some of the other grains here, there's particularly for the canola front, there's been some technical action for the soybean futures that remains quite negative. There's been actually kind of crop condition reports on every Monday that has been a little bit bearish of a factor because there has been some actually good rains coming into the this weekend and reported for Iowa and Minnesota. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Same with the corn futures side of things as well too. Corn has been declining here quite rapidly in the last four days, down approximately 40 cents a bushel as well too. So rain is or weather is playing the key factor in the market this month. You know what, that's, I think, been definitely the story when it comes to across the prairies as, as well as to in the states is we've seen obviously a very significant increase on Minneapolis wheat futures, mainly because of the drought. And But now this is the time of year where there are crop 
actual tours in the States. And that's when it can maybe be a little bit more volatile. Again, rain's coming as well too. So possible yield increase um, in the States that can still happen on, on the soybean front in August here. So definitely what I'm going to be watching for kind of next week and going forward is if this negative technical action is kind of here to stay because uh, a lot of these grains could go down quite a bit more. I'm watching Minneapolis wheat, about a $2 premium to Kansas City wheat here. So Minneapolis wheat might be a bit overpriced here, depending on kind of the other situations going on. So you see outlook for the fall could be downward trend? You know, I wouldn't probably say it goes that far, that downward trend for the fall. I am actually still quite bullish on canola kind of longer term going into the winter months. However, that's where I really do let the the charts kind of help make my buy and my sell decisions because that's really what matters. You can think about what's going on in your local area or, you know, read a report that's going on in Brazil, but really all that matters is what the price and the futures are doing. And that's, again, really watching kind of that side of things. Another kind of factor here recently as well, too, has been the U.S. dollar increasing quite a bit here. The Canadian dollar going down. been quite a volatile week for the Canadian dollar. In the last six trading days, the Canadian dollar has dropped about almost three and a half cents here now, sitting just under 78 cents on the September futures. So if the U.S. dollar wants to keep going up, that might be as well a, a bit of a trend to see if really commodity prices could be going down next week too. Adam Picallo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. SAS Power is reminding farmers to work with extreme caution around power lines this harvest season. SAS Power media consultant Joel Cherry says SAS Power has seen almost 200 incidents involving farm equipment and nearly half of all incidents occur during harvest. We're always concerned about collisions between our own equipment and vehicles or work vehicles, for example. And when it comes to farm safety especially, we tend to see a lot of line contacts that occur both in the spring during seeding and again in the fall during harvest. So this is one of those times, it's kind of a peak time for danger. Certainly, first and foremost, we want to be sure that farmers are, are working safely. When the equipment comes into contact with the line, it carries the risk of serious injury or even death. But we're also looking out for our infrastructure as well because line contacts are responsible for uh, a good number of unplanned outages at this time of year. So we're issuing a reminder to all farmers in the province you know, to take a little bit of extra time to make sure you're always aware of where your equipment is. Uh, when you're moving in and out of the field, make sure you have all your equipment at the lowest level possible to avoid coming into contact. And just general best, you know, safety practices, making sure you're you're rested even before you go into the field, making sure you're paying attention all the time. Because ultimately, all line contacts are preventable. And if everyone does their part, everyone can stay safe and we can make sure our, our power infrastructure is reliable as well. How many incidents have you had this year and last year involving farm equipment and SAS power lines? 
So I don't have the number right up until today, but as of yesterday, because again, at this time of year, we tend to see more contacts on a daily basis even. But the most recent number I have is that we've had 198 incidents involving farm equipment this year, uh, unfortunately, including one fatality. And in 2020, we had 306 line contacts with farm machinery. If you come in contact with a power line or power pole, what should someone do? So whether you're a farmer or anyone else, for example, if there's a down line and a vehicle comes into contact with it, and uh, first of all, you don't ever know for sure whether it's live or not. Uh, so I always treat down line as if it is live. If you come into contact with power lines, uh, you should remain in your vehicle as long as it's safe to do so. Obviously, if there's uh, smoke or fire, it's not safe to remain in the vehicle. You have to take action. But if, if not, uh, if it's safe to do so, stay in the vehicle and call SAS Powers Outage Center at 310-2220 to report the incident. And we'll get out there and de-energize the line and uh, make it safe as soon as possible. Uh, if it's not safe to remain in the vehicle, operators of the vehicle should make sure there's no lines in the way of your path. Stand in the door of the vehicle, cross your arms and put your feet together so you're one, uh, almost like a pole, and jump as far away as you can and land with your feet together. So you don't want to have two points of contact with the ground or, you know, a point of contact with the ground and the vehicle at the same time because there could be, you know, electricity running through it. You, you would conduct electricity and be at risk of serious electric shock in that scenario. So jump from the vehicle, land with your feet together, and with your arms still crossed and your feet together, you should hop at least 10 meters away. And once you're, you're clear and safe, call us to report the incident. And uh, in any emergency scenario, so if you encounter someone else who has come into contact with the power line and is in danger, call us and also call 911. And you've also increased the funding for the Farmyard Line Relocation Program. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, this year we've more than doubled our funding for that program. We're accepting applications right now. And what the Farmyard Line Relocation Program does is it allows farmers to have power lines buried or moved out of their farmyards at a subsidized cost. So I mentioned we're increasing the funding. Last year it was $2 million, and this year it's up to $5 million. So that's enough funding for about 300 projects. Under the program, SAS Power contributes 75% of the cost, and landowners pay 25% of the total construction cost to a maximum of 2000 So this is a, another way, a measure that we're taking to help keep farmers safe and keep our infrastructure reliable. Joel Cherry is a media consultant with SAS Power. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Hey, Karen Stress here with realagriculture.com. I am here today at Export in Old Alberta, and I have here with me Trent Hammonds, who is with ATV. How's it going today? Very good, thank you. So you're here today to talk about kind of the three necessities to a great meal when it comes to intergenerational wealth and, and transferring that wealth. What do you, what's your message? So my message is, is that having a successful intergenerational wealth transfer event is really much like having a great meal. It requires three components. You need to have a, have a great recipe, you need to have great ingredients, and you need to have a great chef. And if any one of those three pieces doesn't work well, then your meal is kind of maybe not as special as you'd want it to be. And, and the same principle applies for 
for successful intergenerational wealth transfer, you really need those three components of a recipe, a chef, and great ingredients. So what, what are some of the, to start off, what are some of the things that are required for a recipe? Sure, so for a recipe, the recipes are typically written. And in a successful wealth transfer event is the same way. So you, the recipe for wealth transfer would be, you know, you want to have a great will. You want to have a personal directive or a healthcare document in case you get sick. You want to have an enduring power of attorney, somebody that's going to look after your finances if you become sick. And if you're a small business owner, maybe you have a partner, you want to make sure they have a unanimous shareholders agreement or a USA to make sure that the business is looked after should you become sick and incapacitate or potentially even pass away. So that's really where the, the recipe component comes in. Okay, and I know one of the things you're kind of highlighting is will is kind of important at any point in your life. Do you want to touch on that? It's not just something that you need when you're older. No, so only about 60% of Canadians have a will and it's never too early to have a will done. It's, it's sort of like an insurance policy. And I would hope that many Canadians update their will multiple times over the course of their lifetime. Um, but you're never too young to have will and I'm often asked what's the critical sort of life event that you need a will. I would say once you turn 18 or 19, it's probably a good idea and certainly as you gain more assets, more wealth, you have children, you have business interests, um, you really want to make sure that you have that will done and, it's, and it's, it's referenced every so often to make sure it still reflects your intentions. Absolutely and the next step obviously is the ingredients. What, what are those ingredients needed? Right, so the ingredients are really important. So the ingredients are uh, for a successful wealth transfer event is having some awareness about what are your assets, right? Like, what business do you have? What investments do you have? All of those assets. You really need to quantify what those assets are. Secondly, you want to know what your liabilities are. So what, what sort of debts do I have out there? Do I have any loans outstanding? And even what sort of tax liabilities might I have when I pass away? You want to understand what those liabilities are so you can plan accordingly. But estate planning and wealth transfer events are not just about assets and liabilities, they're about relationships. So you want to make sure you have these great relationships with your family or whoever you want to have a wealth transfer event with. You want to have that dialogue and that conversation with them because when you're not here anymore, if there's things that don't go according to plan, it's those relationships that are impaired. So having those great conversations with family members and making sure those relationships are strong and sharing with your family what your intentions are with your estate is very valuable. And then the second thing is, is what are your values? What are those values going to be when you're gone? Again, it's more than just assets and liabilities, but what sort of impact do you want to leave with your family when you're not here anymore? It's, it would be really nice and easy if everything was on a ledger sheet, but it's, wealth transfer is more than that. Wealth transfer is more than just money. And do you want to reiterate the importance of having these conversations early, not once again waiting? So I simply tell people that Wealth transfer events is not an event in time. It's not when you pass away or when a will is done. Wealth transfer is a journey. It happens over the entire course of your lifetime. Your children are aware of your actions, what you do every single day, how you conduct yourself, and the conversations you have around the dinner table. So they take those events and those experiences and they process them. And so it's not about just simply what the will says at the end of the day, it's all those historical pieces that they've collected along the way as well. No, I, I just think, yes, and you, you mentioned it, I think estate planning is important at any age. And it's, it's not a destination, it's not a point in time, it is a journey. So it's really important that this be part of your regular financial routine. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. 
the official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in. No appointment necessary or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, showers, wind north 20, gusting to 40. The high, 16. 30% chance of evening showers. The low, 10. Tomorrow, clearing in the morning. Wind northwest 20, becoming light in the afternoon. The high, tomorrow, 21. 60% chance of evening showers tomorrow, the low 10. Sunday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the high 18, the low 11. Monday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the high 20, the low 10. Tuesday, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, the high 16, the low 7. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high 20, the low 8. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high 23. Normal high for this date is 24, the normal low is 9. Sun rose at 5.55 this morning. It sets at 8.09 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Wasika at 20 degrees. The cold spot, Indian Head at 10.5 degrees. Estevan is 13. Saskatoon, 17. Swift Current, 13. Weyburn and Yorkton, 11. Light rain in Regina, 13. That's 55 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north, northeast to 22. Humidity 89%. The barometer falling 101.2. Light rain in Moose Jaw 12 degrees. Winds are from the north at 15. Once again, Regina, light rain in 13. That's 55 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The Manitoba harvest has reached 21%. Manitoba Agriculture Oilseed Specialist Dane Fraze this combining in Manitoba is well ahead of the long-term average of 14%. The bright side of a very dry, very hot year is that harvest is relatively easy. Um, lack of rain and, and hot, sunny, dry conditions have spurred the crop on to maturity faster than normal. And right now we're seeing overall provincial harvest completion sit at about 21%, ahead of the four-year average of 14% for the third week of August. Fraze says crops are reflecting poor yields due to drought. Generally, not so good. Um, We're having fewer than half of our crops fall into the good category. The remainder fall below that. Uh, It's a combination of lack of rainfall, uh, extreme heat, insect pressure, uh, and extreme winds, too, that have decimated crops throughout the season. So we're not seeing the strong yield outlook and yield potential and crop um, vigor that we would have seen throughout uh, a normal growing season. So as a result, they're having a lower rating in terms of um, the good or to excellent percentage Uh, but that's not to say the crop quality will not be good we're expecting to see reasonably high proteins in most spring wheat crops um, and right now the protein range is generally between 14 to 16 percent 
Gray's says the cereal crop harvest is advancing rapidly. Wheat harvest sits at about 40% complete, a little bit less in the southwest and um, less, again, in the northwest region since they were a little bit later to start the year. Uh, barley and oats are slightly ahead of the wheat, and we're just seeing growers start to get into their canola in some of the earliest seeded fields, swathing some and leaving the rest for a straight harvest. Gray says canola crop yields are below average. No, they've faced some of the poorest growing conditions in the past decade or more. Uh, so farmers are expecting average yields to drop to 10-year lows due to continued environmental and insect stresses. So we're expecting canola yields to average somewhere in the 30 bushel an acre range. Gray says some of the poorer crops in Manitoba are going to green feed. That's right. We're a green feed of cereals and uh, some canola is largely done because the, the moisture content is critical there. However, we are seeing silage being made out of corn crops that would have otherwise been intended for grain, and uh, farmers are waiting on the correct moisture stage to proceed with silaging more at this time. Rain is in the forecast for Manitoba today. Rain is welcome right now to replenish soil moisture. However, um, it's rather poorly timed, and it can be a little bit insulting to injury. They have rain after the crop is, is uh, done and, and yield is set. So rain right now will not help any of our early season crops. It may help soybeans and sunflowers to fill a little bit, and it's less beneficial right now for corn than um, those other two. So rain is generally going straight into the soil profile to help recharge or at least alleviate some of the drought conditions, but it will not be enough to spur regrowth in pastures or hay, nor uh, save any or increase yield potential in those other crops. Dane Fraze compiles the weekly crop report for the Manitoba Agriculture. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The Canadian Food Grains Bank received about $2 million in total donations from Saskatchewan last year, about half of it from 33 community growing projects. The Food Grains Bank is a partnership of 15 church and church agencies that work together in an effort to end world hunger. Rick Block is the Food Grains Bank Saskatchewan representative. The Food Grains Bank has always really garnered its support really from the grassroots that still holds today where these growing projects are, you know, they're registered with the Canadian Food Grains Bank, but really the people involved in them at the community level are all, you know, they're really regarded as a third party kind of fundraiser. They do what they do really independently of the Food Grains Bank. Um, we do tend to collaborate quite a bit together, but essentially someone in a local community has, you know, often someone has donated land. Farmers and other people in the community really kind of organize themselves. There's always some type of a leadership committee businesses contribute input you know other businesses will contribute what they can and 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 it really becomes a really neat community project that then the proceeds from the sale of that crop uh, all go to the canadian food grains bank proceeds from grain sales are matched by ottawa on a four to one basis to purchase food and three to one for community development in 33 nations each year one of the saskatchewan farmers involved in the grow projects is able to see the fruits of their labor up until COVID hit, we had been going annually on a learning tour. Each of those years, at least over the last uh, six or seven years, we've had at least one couple or an individual from Saskatchewan. Often they are farmers that are connected to one of the growing projects. Um, they go and uh, are part of that learning tour to really be able to 
see firsthand and hear really in some ways firsthand from program participants that are in some ways improving their situation in relation to food security. And and the folks from Saskatchewan that come back from these trips have, you know, always many good stories to share. And that really is inspiring, especially at the local level when one of your own from your community has gone and brings back photos and stories of the type of change that can take place. Two growing projects have already been combined this year. Last week on Friday, um, I was invited out to Leader. Southwest Growing Project took off their Durham wheat crop. And then uh, later in that day, I was uh, notified that the Christ Redeemer Project in Swift Current was taking off their lentil crop. So I zoomed down there as well for a time. So what did you see for those crops? The Durham in Leader was you know, pretty thin. Interestingly, you could see where all the snow drifts had been over winter. Uh, that's where the crop was a little bit thicker, but probably about an eight bushel an acre yield. Um, and then the lentil crop in Swift Current, um, I wasn't actually there right towards the end where they were calculating it, but it laid pretty low. But, you know, lentils are perhaps maybe one of the most resilient crops or the crops that maybe do best, relatively speaking, in hot and dry weather here in Saskatchewan. Are there any uh, brighter spots, maybe where we're, we're talking about an average crop? Have you heard from some uh, grow projects that are a little bit uh, uh, better off and may have caught a, a couple of showers here and there? Yeah, I know there's some down southeast where, I can't recall exactly which week that was, but sometime in July there were some fairly heavy rains that were going through. Uh, and I think the one project uh, received some of that. And as well, going further into East Central and especially in the northeast part of the province, there's a couple of growing projects that have reported, well, we're maybe they're just below average, but not quite in such a desperate situation as 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 some of the other growing projects in say the central and western part of the province. Even though the yields are lower, Block says the Grow Project harvests are a good opportunity for a community gathering. Rick Block is the Canadian Food Grains Bank Saskatchewan representative. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola fell 6.20 at 8.6602. Lentils rose 44 dollars nine cents at 10.2559. That's 1,000 dollars 20, 1,025 dollars and 59 cents. Number one red spring wheat gained 61 cents at 3.7544. The rest were unchanged. Durham 5.5243. Feed barley 3.5465. Flax eight ninety nine seventy six, oats three hundred eight dollars fifty three cents. Yellow peas four seventy seven sixty three. Feed wheat two sixty one sixty five. On the Minneapolis exchange this morning, hard red spring wheat for September fell two and a half cents at nine fourteen and a half cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. 50-weight heifer calves, 196 to 216, sales to 223 and 50 on the light end. 450 to 5 and a quarter weight heifers from 182 to 206. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have a great afternoon. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices for both brand and moose jaw plants, 237.25 per CKG. Coming up, the resource report. This is Roy Rutledge at the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. We had a good big yearling sale here in Weyburn at the beginning of the week. Lots of good cattle and lots of good big groups. 
We sold a load of 700-pound steers for $2.21 a pound, a load of 800-pound steers for $2.03 a pound. It's been a long time since 800-pound steers have been over $2 a pound. 1,000-pound steers are over $1,700. You have no doubt heard me say before that the extra money is always in the sort. Well, that was very evident again at this sale. If you sort good cattle up into groups with other good cattle, there was always a premium, even sorting clean cattle into big groups with other plain cattle gets more money out of them but no one has those we sold a load of 486 pound yearling heifers for $1.9650 now these are not the growthiest of cattle uh, most people's calves weigh more than that but they sure brought good money all in a big group as you can see or here, the Weber Livestock Exchange is now the new high-dollar market, and you should be marketing your cattle here. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. The Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce has taken a poll from its members about COVID safety protocols. 34% of the survey saw businesses are requiring staff and clients to comply with certain safety protocols. 12% of the survey answered that they have only staff required to meet certain requirements. Another 23% have encouraged staff and clients to follow protocols. Vaccine passports was another question asked in the survey, which saw a split in opinion. 43% of the respondents felt vaccine passports should be required, while 41% responded that proof of vaccination should not be required. The Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance has released a list of top five farm policies for the federal election and post-pandemic economic recovery. The first calls for the federal government to resolve implementation issues around the Canada-European trade deal. The second item seeks a Chief of Trade Implementation at Global Affairs Canada, CAFTA is also pushing for reinstatement of the appeal body of the World Trade Organization, new trade talks with the UK and Asian countries, and increased promotion of Canada's world-class agri-food. On the markets, the TSX is up 119 points at 20,334. The Dow has gained 275 points at 35,169. Oil is down $1.08 at 6242 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is down six one-hundredths of a cent at 77.88 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.